This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. I know it's cool to goof on Nickelback now. That's become a thing. I, I don't understand why. I really, you should, you would think, especially here. I mean, they're from Hannah, Alberta, right? I mean, how many international megastars come from Alberta, let alone Hannah, Alberta? We should be celebrating these guys. Uh, and I think a lot of people do secretly. They're, they're good. They're good. But, uh, you know, we fall into the trap. And Bieber's in the same position, right? A lot of people, it's fun to goof on Bieber. It's, it's kind of like, you must like Dolly Parton. Whether you like Dolly or not, whether you like country music or not, you cannot dare speak poorly of Dolly Parton. Someone's going to come at you, right? But at the same time, you can go ahead and say whatever you want about Nickelback. It's, it's the thing to do. And I, I, I don't know. I love Nickelback. I think they're, they're fantastic. I don't like all their stuff, of course, for sure. But that song, Breathe. Leader of Men? Oh, come on. Fantastic. Anyway, uh, that's a little Canadian content for us today. And the Juniors are being held tonight, as we said, in Edmonton. Uh, good time to celebrate Canadian music. You know, Nickelback, uh, I don't know. If, when was the last time Nickelback had a big hit, there? It's been a while, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, is it, I don't think they're... But they're going uh, into the Hall of Fame this year or whatever. They Canadian, are. Canadian, yeah. And I mean, good Lord. I mean, they're, they're one of the biggest acts ever to come out of the country. So that makes sense. But, you know, some of the big names now, right? Like Bieber and Drake in the weekend and uh, Shawn Mendes. So um, we're doing pretty well. For a country of 37 million people, we are very well represented on the world stage. These are the superstars of pop music. And they're all from Canada. And of course... There's a whole bunch more country. We have a lot of great country artists, too. We are and always have been very well represented in the world of music. So maybe that CanCon thing that everybody likes to make fun of and say, oh, boy, CanCon. Maybe we should be giving CanCon a little credit. CanCon, of course, is the rules and regulations that we have had for a very long time around music in this country. Um, to make sure that Canadian artists are protected and promoted and successful and all the rest of this stuff. And you know what? just might have worked. <laughs> We're going to have a conversation about that. We're going to speak with Brian Foto, an associate professor in the Faculty of Arts at the University of Alberta. Brian, thank you for joining us. Appreciate your time. Hey there, how you doing? Great, great. So to start, let's just sort of define what we're talking about. When we talk about CanCon, I'm sure most Canadians have heard that term before, but may not be exactly clear what it means. So let's define it. What is CanCon? Well, what it most obviously points to is regulations for the radio and starting in 1971 it meant that uh, 30% of music we hear over the broadcast week has to be by Canadian artists and there's a particular formula in place for defining what a Canadian artist is and it's not perfect and it's led to some controversies over the years but for most it, it sort of works and most stations now are at about 35% sometimes 40% for for that regulation but it also contributes to uh, funding right. uh, funding pools, right, uh, for Factor and other things like this. That's the other side of it. We always hear that, you know, they have to play a certain amount of music, and that's what we're familiar with with CanCon. But on the other side of it, and perhaps more importantly, is the funding, the grant programs, things like that. How does that work? It works for um, a number of stations that are, you know, your big profitable commercial radio stations that uh, play music. They pay into Canadian content development funds over a certain amount of profits, and 45% of that goes to 
Factor, which is a range of grants for everything from small demos to huge, huge uh, pots of money that can kind of fund a major album release and a tour. Some of it goes to the Community Radio Fund of Canada, about 15%, and then there's about 40% or so that the broadcaster determines um, where it's going to go based on their own kind of needs and interests. And there's pretty good evidence, right, that these grant programs have been very, very helpful, helping to push Canadian artists to, you know, where we are, at least in some part. I mean, some of these artists are just, they're mega superstars regardless of all of this, but a lot of artists that we know of benefited from these programs. Yeah, they have. I think we found that uh, even this Juno roster, there's 85 artists, and they've received about 433 grants collectively kind of across those artists from Factor. And it just kind of helps compensate for the fact that the music industries are so unpredictable and sometimes... You know, you're not really seeing a return from a release for a little bit down the road, or you have to get up there and tour. Um, so it's, it's sort of money to help, you know, stimulate our creative sectors. And, and then, you know, many artists go on and, and take on other elements of their careers that, uh, you know, don't rely as heavily on grants potentially, but it's, it's a good, uh, very beneficial system that's in place there. It, no doubt about it. And I wonder how important it's been to sort of preserving a Canadian musical scene. Because even with this program, if you take a look at, you know, the, the record labels, they're, they're all American. You take a look at the mm-hmm. big streaming platforms, they're all American. I mean, a lot of it is still done, you know, by American-based companies, but Canadians don't give anything up. You know what, like we still sort of have this ongoing music scene. How much do we owe to the CanCon rules for that? You know, I think it's it's a big part of the picture, especially when you look at the grant money. You know, not every artist is getting on the radio, like getting that, that big airplay through uh, the Canadian content on air regulations, although it does also affect the CBC and com- the campus radio sector where you get, you know, 35 or CBC, it's 50%. A lot of campus stations is 35 or 40%. And there you get, you know, a huge, a, a much wider variety of music that then can potentially, you know, jump to the commercial sector elsewhere, or if not, they find their own, you know, fan bases through various outlets, whether it's campus radio or beyond. Um, so all of that kind of comes together to give you a wider range of artists at different levels in their careers and different genres, as opposed to just thinking about, you know, the big hit artists, although that's been a big, you know, CanCon's been a big role in helping to propel those artists as well. What about, you know, this new age that we're in now? Canadian content, like you say, it used to be about radio p- uh, play, and that was sort of how it was determined. Well, a lot of that doesn't happen anymore with things like Spotify and, and Apple Music. Do the same rules apply? I mean, how, how could they? You basically create your own radio station. So how does CanCon fit into this new digital age of streaming music? It hasn't. And in 1999, uh, the CRTC decided to not regulate the internet um, and that was a very different time you know we didn't really all gather under you know two or three big platforms to do all of our online activity anymore so you haven't had that same you know regulation for thinking about how we listen to streaming music and some of the things we found you know even looking at the charting success of artists in Canada in the streaming era in recent years, um, kind of the top three artists, Drake, Justin Bieber, and The Weeknd, have sometimes had as high as, as 46% market share of overall chart entries in, in streaming. And they've, you know, we've also seen the number of overall chart entries by Canadian artists decrease quite significantly. Whereas in the 90s, when it was a little bit more organized around radio and um, the sale of records, 
those top three artists were only about 5 to 10% of the overall market. So there were many more artists that were, you know, hitting the billboard charts then. And now we have less who are doing, you know, really well on the global stage. But streaming and the way the algorithms tend to work is it really fuels, um, it's fueled by these big hits on, on, you know, three large record labels. And sometimes that drowns out a wider variety of artists because we tend to get pushed towards us, those other um, you know, the songs that people are most listening to on playlists or, you know, through their own listening choices. So it's kind of a system that reinforces right. a bigger artist. And then sometimes it doesn't, you know, always push smaller artists towards us. So there's a lot of debate now about how or if there are regulations that might help to remedy that, you know, just like when people were debating CanCon in the early 1970s. Well, and that's the thing now, and we know there's all kinds of work being done right now to redraw a lot of the broadcast regulation rules in this country. Does music fit into that? We hear a lot about, you know, online streaming and social media and stuff, but I imagine the same conversations are happening around music, right? It is. And I think that, like, you know, one thing some of our research has been, you know, talking about is not only should, you know, companies like Spotify or Apple Music be obliged to give some sort of percentage of, of money to Canadian content um, development like broadcasters have yeah. for so long since they're making use of Canadian music, but also, you know, thinking about what algorithms are and if there's kind of a logic of pushing uh, certain artists that, you know, are on big labels and have found success already, you know, what's the harm in thinking yeah. about tweaking algorithms to maybe, you know, push more local or regional or Canadian music if you're, you know, thinking about a randomized mix of some sort of music organized around a certain genre or an artist. You know, there could be 10 or 15 Canadian artists out of, say, 100 that, you know, make their way onto those playlists. Um, So there's different ways of thinking about algorithms in a way that, you know, kind of realizes that they're not neutral, right? And if... uh, they're already biased in some ways. There may be some ways to think about how they could stimulate Canadian cultural production. Sure, yeah, and we can still continue to have that as sort of a, a guiding force in what we do. Uh, great conversation. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Brian. Yeah, anytime. Thanks. You bet. That's Brian Foto, who is an associate professor in the Faculty of Arts, University of Alberta.